college admissions is an ever-changing landscape. And applying to college has never been harder in wake of our new normal. That's why we are revolutionizing college admissions, one application at a time. Welcome to Talk College to Me, a D100 radio podcast featuring your co-hosts, Lynn Stewart and Vicki Thompson. Thank you for tuning in to Episode 6 of Talk College to Me, the common application. Tonight, we're delighted to welcome our friend Scott Anderson. Scott joined the Common Application team in 2009 as its fifth employee and first director of outreach with the goal of building bridges with the counseling community. Today, he partners with educators, researchers, and designers to create services, programs, and resources that enable student success. Before joining the Common Application, Scott worked in college admissions counseling for 16 years on both the college and secondary levels. He holds a Bachelor of Arts in English from the University of Virginia and a Master's from the University of Vermont. Scott is a past chair of the National Association of College Admission Counseling's Admission Practices Committee. Scott, thanks so much for joining us today. You bet, Vicki. It's my pleasure to be here. So let's start with a question, our first one. The Common Application has just grown every year, um, adding both public and private colleges and universities to the list of schools that accept the application. Will you talk about how the Common Application has evolved over the years and why it's trusted by so many as the go-to application for students? Yeah, yeah, sure. I am happy to. You know, the Common App has been around a lot longer than many people realize sometimes. It was founded in 1975. And it was based on the uh, prevailing technology of the day, which was the photocopier. <laughs> you had enterprising deans of admission and uh, and some college counselors who, who came together to make applying to college easier for students. And there were 15 founding colleges of the Common App, for the most part, smaller, selective liberal arts colleges that were that were scattered about the country. And the, the idea was uh, students could fill out one form, photocopy it, and send it off. And so it was kind of an access initiative uh, on, on two sides, if you think about it, because on the one hand, it was, it was access for students who uh, were exposed to colleges that they may not have been exposed to by applying to this set of colleges. And it was also an access initiative for the universities themselves uh, because they were, uh, they were suddenly able to introduce themselves to students who might not have found them otherwise. If you fast forward to today, those 15 member uh, colleges have grown into uh, a membership of over 900 colleges and universities. And I, I say membership because that's a, a really important part of our story. Most people know the Common App for the tool that we have, which is the, the application itself. But we're actually a not-for-profit membership association of colleges. And um, along the way, we have seen a lot of changes in our membership. Originally, it was only for private colleges. But in 2001, public universities were invited to join the membership for the first time. And today, almost a quarter of the uh, members of the Common App are public universities, including 80% of the public flagships in, in the U.S. International schools joined in, in 2010, and uh, we, we continue to, to, to grow and expand the diversity of members, which in turn expands the diversity of students who are using uh, the Common App. You know, you asked why, why we're trusted by, by so many. I think it goes back to... Uh, the fact that we are a not-for-profit player in a, a very um, commercial space in many ways. We are a mission-driven organization. Our mission is to promote access, equity, and integrity in the college admission process. And that is core to everything we are. 
uh, everything that we do. It's core to how we think about um, serving students and serving counselors and serving families. And, uh, and we hold ourselves to a really high standard in that regard. And I think it shows by the, the, uh, the loyalty that we, we have in counselors who come back to us year to year and in, in those counselors who recommend us to students year to year. Absolutely. Thank you, Scott. It's been a great tool for my students for many, many years. Thank you, Scott. I, um, I, I've been acquainted with Common App since the late 90s, well, mid to late 90s when I worked in college admissions and I was at a private school. And back then it was pretty much only uh, private schools. I was at a Jesuit school. Um, so I've been familiar with it for a long time. I did not know it dated back to 1975, however. So yes, it does. That was a nice little piece of trivia. <laughs> um, so Vicki and I have used the Common Application to help students understand the different parts of a college application and guide our seniors through the process at the start of each year. A lot of students don't have access to college counselors. How can the Common Application be a resource for them as they apply to college? Uh, yeah, Lynn, you know, I, I think it goes back to that mission that I've discussed, that mission of access, equity, uh, and integrity. We have, in addition to the, the application tool itself, we have built out um, a public-facing website uh, that you don't need to log in to. Everybody can, can go visit the site. It's at commonapp.org. And we've built out a, a lot of resources there to help um, students and educators and families really wherever they are in the process. So um, for, for students like your co-hosts here who are in the thick of applying to college, <laughs> um, you know, you've got, you've got resources to help them with that, that immediate need of, you know, how do I, how do I uh, create an account or how do I think about approaching my essay, things like that. But for students who are even a lot younger, ninth grade, even even eighth grade, there are resources there to help them start thinking about colleges. And it's really interesting because, you know, there there are some students for whom, if you say to them in ninth grade, you need to start thinking about college, it is the worst advice you could give because they're maybe in an environment where they're already really stressed out about applying to college. But there's a whole other population of students who absolutely have to hear that message early because it helps them understand that college is possible. And so we've tried to build out resources to address them. The other thing that I'd say um, is that uh, since uh, 2019, January 1st of 2019, in fact, Common App is also the home of Reach Higher. Reach Higher is the college um, access initiative that Michelle Obama started uh, while she was in the White House. And the entire goal behind that was to build a college-going culture, to inspire students to understand that college was a possibility for them. And we are so happy that Reach Higher is part of a common app now. And they have a tremendous, tremendous outreach effort uh, to uh, students of, 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 of all ages, and particularly first-generation students, historically underserved students. We have um, a texting campaign that reaches out to uh, low-income and first-generation students to connect them with resources that they might not have otherwise found. Um, they have a tremendous social media presence. Uh, they have uh, far more celebrity friends than I could ever hope to, uh, to gather in my lifetime, but these people are not just celebrities, they're influencers of uh, young 
um, young teenagers. And really, they help us amplify the message that that college can be a reality for you. So I think, Lynn, all of those things together are um, are how we think about serving uh, students and helping them understand that um, that college can be a possibility. Thank you. Um, if we have any counselors out there listening, I just want to really put a plug in and say, if you're a counselor, a lot of the resources on the Common App site I've looked at and I've used to help me with my students, you guys, the, the glossary of terms, great definitions for explaining to kids what a FERPA is and, and what that means. And a lot of those tools were, were helpful to me. And I think I was a counselor for many years before I really started uh, using some of those tools that are available. In fact, I don't know, I've been a counselor so long, so those tools might not have been available then. Uh, but there are really some really uh, good, useful tools and things to use um, for counselors uh, to help your kids through the process, as well as those students who are working, um, trying to figure it out on their own, basically. Thanks. And Lynn, if I could piggyback on that on that plug, uh, I, I specifically want to call out to counselors, um, our counselor toolkit, which is called Common App Ready commonapp.org slash ready. And these are um, downloadable uh, PDF resources that counselors can use to then distribute to families in their schools uh, on, on things like how to create a Common App account or to your point, what FERPA is um, or how to, how to write an essay, uh, all, sorts of, all sorts of things. So I would, I would hope uh, counselors would visit that and use those resources as we intend them. I've Thank used you. those a lot with some work in some community-based organizations as a volunteer, and they are Great. so helpful. Thank you, Mr. Anderson, for joining us. I'm Nikolai with D100. So a lot of colleges I'm applying to accept the common application and also give me the option to use their own or another application as well. Do colleges prefer one application over the other? Yeah, Nikolai, that's a great question. And in fact, in the early days of the, the common app, and even I would say through probably the early 2000s, um, there was a lot of concern about that. Um, students were, and families in particular, were nervous. You know, if, if I use the Common App, is it is it going to suggest to colleges that I'm not really serious uh, about them because they know I'm applying to other colleges? Well, you know, surprise, surprise, they already know you're applying to other colleges, so it's not that big a deal. Um, but what is really important for you to know and, and for all of your, um, you know, your, your classmates is that all of the, the colleges that are members of the Common App agree that they're not going to discriminate based on the kind of application that you use. So I would say, you know, you and your friends should feel comfortable making the choice that that's right for you. Um, 900 colleges is a lot, but there are a lot of colleges that are not in the Common App membership. And um, for students who are applying to, to maybe only one Common App school and, and a few others that are not in the Common App, maybe we don't make sense for them. Um, but if you've got a lot of overlap, um, certainly we would hope that you use us. And it's also a great way to, to discover colleges that you may not have otherwise, um, otherwise found. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you, Mr. Anderson. This is Dylan with D100. What resources does a common application provide for students who might be struggling with paying application fees? Yeah, Dylan, the, the, we do not, and I would say none of our member colleges want application fees to be a barrier for any student applying to college. And so we have uh, baked into the application a common app fee waiver 
um, pretty early on in the application, students are presented with a question that reads something like, you know, our, our member colleges don't want these to be a barrier. Do you think um, your family circumstances might qualify for you for a fee waiver? It's, it's pretty general. And if students answer yes, uh, then they're presented with a list of uh, criteria that are, are widely agreed upon by organizations like the Common App and College Board and ACT. Um, they're based on things like um, income levels. If students receive free and reduced lunch, maybe they've already received a fee waiver for an SAT exam or an ACT exam. And if students answer yes to that question and select one of those options, uh, then that action essentially acts as payment for any colleges to which they ultimately apply. So when it comes time uh, to submit the application and go to the payment screen, um, students can submit those applications um, without paying any fee. The other thing that's really uh, interesting, and I think not, not many people know about it, is that this year about 440, 450 of, of our 900 plus member colleges don't charge any fee at all. Uh, and and so there are really a, a lot of um, a lot of opportunities for students who might uh, have um, challenges paying application fees. I'll also add that um, the colleges themselves offer fee waivers. Uh, so even if students don't qualify for those need based fee waivers that I described in the in the Common App, there may be other other ways um, for uh, for students to access fee waivers that the colleges themselves will give out through the Common App. Perfect. Thank you. Scott, there was a, an announcement last week that the common application has removed the discipline question from the application. Will you talk about that decision and, and how that's going to be helpful to students, all students? Um, will colleges maybe decide to ask that discipline, discipline question in another way through their own questions? Sure. Last week was a big week for us. It was it was it was very exciting um, when we were able to share this news that we have been working on for a long time. And just to clarify, um, the question, um, Vicky, that you're referring to, essentially asked students if if they've been suspended or otherwise had disciplinary infractions in their high school. They have to answer yes or no. That same question is actually posed to counselors as well. And so um, our move is to remove this for the coming year. So it's still there for this year. Um, but beginning with uh, the 2021, 2022 year, uh, it, it will move. You know, as part of our organizational um, evolution and our commitment to making the admissions process um, more equitable, uh, more accessible, we're starting to turn the, the microscope on ourselves, you know, uh, um, and, and starting to look at how we, through the questions that we ask, might be contributing to, to some of the inequities that are out there that students that students experience. There's a lot of research um, <clears throat> that exists about how, uh, about the disparities um, in disciplinary sanctions based on um, racial and demographic uh, information. Um, there was a study um, by the Center for Civil Rights uh, that, that found that uh, suspension rates for black students are are 3.5 times higher than those for white students, and that's nationally. Um, you can't look at information like that, at data like that, and not see the inequities in it. So we knew that this was an issue, broadly speaking, for our country. But we spent some time this year 
also looking closely at the the data that we have within the common app we looked at what our own uh, applicants were experiencing we found similar levels of disparity among racial and ethnic groups within the common app uh, in terms of who is answering yes and who is answering no to those questions we also found that students who answered uh, um, yes to that question were actually less likely to ultimately submit the application than those who answered no. And we don't want that to be a barrier to, to applying to college. The other thing that was really interesting, and I know you know this uh, as a counselor, so I mentioned that this question appears for both students and, and for counselors. Students are required to answer it and they've got two choices, yes and no, but counselors have a little bit more latitude. Uh, counselors are, at, you know, are asked the question if a student has been suspended or expelled on probation, et cetera, they can answer yes, they can answer no, they can indicate school policy prevents me from responding, or they can just leave it blank and not answer at all because it's not a required question. And what we found with the council responses was fascinating. Um, 42% of all counselors were not providing any response at all, either because their school policy prevented them from responding or because they um, they just left it blank. And, and so when you think about getting rid of the question for students and creating a more equitable um, and a level playing field, when you look at what counselors are providing, we, we think that colleges probably thought they were getting a lot more information from counselors than they actually were. If 42% aren't even giving them an answer at all. The other thing is, and, and this is, this is astounding um, to me, last year there were over a million um, students use the Common App to apply for, for first-year admission. Only Counselors of only 5,000 applicants said, yeah, there was a problem here. <laughs> and so that's, that is a huge, huge disparity. It's 0.5% of the whole applicant pool. So how is this going to benefit students? It's going to remove a, a question that um, potentially has a chilling effect. On, on students in their ability to apply, um, and it and it will acknowledge the um, just the inequities that are inherent in the educational systems that we all exist within. And to the extent that we are able to to help get over some of those barriers, remove some of those barriers, we we want to be uh, contributors to those solutions. Thank you, Scott. I think it's such a good thing for kids. And I know as a counselor, it's always a question that that there's a lot of discussion about with students yep. who have had discipline issues. Um, and, and in every school in which I've worked, the discipline reporting policy has been a little different from school to school. So it, it's been a murky thing. Um, I'm happy to see it go for that reason. And I'm also just excited to hear that it's leaving for, for kids who don't have the kind of guidance that that's provided by, you know, schools that have college counselors in that role. Yeah. You know, I, I think also, Vicki, you asked me another part of the question that I, I didn't answer, which was, are colleges going to continue to ask the question? So it is important to know that um, that if colleges wish to continue asking some version of this disciplinary question, they can in their supplemental questions. <clears throat> At the same time, we are going to make um, available to them all of the research that uh, that we have, both internal and external so that they can have those important conversations on, on their own campuses about whether this is something that makes sense uh, for them or, or, or not. Um, if colleges do continue to ask the question, 
we will not make any assumptions that they're doing it for the wrong reasons. There are colleges that have thought long and hard about this um, and have talked with their own communities and will continue to, to ask. We are, we are sure of that. But we want to make sure that everybody's got the, the context for um, the questions themselves. Thank you. Thanks, Scott. The Common App has added a place for students to talk about their experience during the pandemic. Why only 250 words? And how might that change as we approach the second year of living with COVID-19? I hate I even have to say it like that. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing when we started talking about this question back in April, probably. It was the furthest thing from our mind that um, we might need to think about it for coming years. I mean, we we knew we would need to think about it because even even for younger students, um, this is going to impact them and what their high school experience is like, and they're going to want to be able to talk about it. But yeah, it's 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 remarkable the the shadow that that this is casting on on, on all of us and the work that we do and the education that we try to provide. So why only two hundred fifty words? It, it's it's a great it's a great question. Um, one of the things that I haven't mentioned is how important it is for us as we are um, looking at uh, the application and thinking about changes that we might want to make and enhancements we might want to make, how important it is for us to gather uh, feedback from our constituent groups, so from our member colleges and, and, and from students. Um, our, our UX team spends a lot of time working with students as we try out uh, uh, new ways of laying out questions and new questions themselves, but also it's really important that we work with with counselors. So we have an advisory group of counselors, and we engage them deeply on this topic. Uh, and one thing that we heard loud and clear from that group was, "Don't make this into an extra essay that kids feel like they need to fill out." Um, and 250 words doesn't give a lot of space, but it gives enough space for students who, who, are, who are truly compelled to share something about what their experiences have been like. They were, we had such interesting conversations about this. Um, and, and I know that you probably, as you're working with your own students, and, and we've, those of us who are in this profession, we've read a lot about this, you know, this big debate, do I write something, do I not write something? And um, we don't want any any student to feel compelled to write something if they don't feel like it. We also recognize that this situation, this pandemic, um, and, and its aftermath, um, it's not even an aftermath, we're, we're still in it, has impacted different people in, in different ways. So for some, it has been a monumental inconvenience. For others, it has been devastating, devastating to their families, devastating to their livelihood. They've experienced true loss. Um, they, uh, their education has been disrupted in, in ways they could not have imagined, not because they're learning in front of a computer, but because they're one of six people, seven people in a small apartment trying to juggle their own studies with that of their younger siblings, with that of their parents or grandparents who may be trying to work in that same apartment. So just the disparity that exists is, is, is remarkable. So the reason I bring all of this up is because the, the 250 word limit was really designed so that students could sort of tell us what had happened to them if they felt like it, 
without necessarily making them feel like they needed to tell us and then reflect upon what had happened to them. To them, there's an essay in the Common Application that students will write. There is an additional information section, which is 650 words that students can use however they want. And our thought was for the students for whom the the, the COVID nineteen experience has been truly impactful, truly transformational in some way, they've got other spaces in the application where they can talk about it more fully and give it the treatment that it needs and and deserves. But for students who simply want to let us know uh, how this has impacted them or their daily life without dwelling on it, um, they can use use the space for it. And the other thing too is that we don't want, none of us want this experience to define students. There are so many amazing things that students want to share about themselves and should share about themselves. And it shouldn't all just be based on this this pandemic. Uh, And so our hope is that um, with with this additional question um, in its its abbreviated format, plus the the spaces that already exist within the application that students can tell their full story um, in the way that they want to tell it. You know, um, when I was um, first got in on the high school side, I used to always say to students, if you see optional, that pretty much means do it. But, you know, I can't say that anymore because now I'm finding myself saying to students, optional really means optional. Test optional really means optional. The COVID-19 question optional really, really means optional, guys. You don't have to do it. Yeah, I've been there myself. I, I that that optional piece, that's really tricky for students. Uh, but you you bring up two, I think important examples in the test optional, and um, and the COVID. I, I mean, how how crazy is it that our professional organization had to pull together a group of colleges to say test optional really means test optional. I mean, why it, the fact that we have gotten to that point where we feel like we need to say it with more oomph because people won't believe us if we don't. Um, it, it's kind of sad in, in, a, in a way. Um, and, and yet it, it's so important um, uh, that, that students understand the options, no pun intended, that they have that they have in front of them. Yeah. And there's there's still a lot of anxiety over the testing piece. I don't I think it's going to be a year before students will have to go through the cycle before students and their families really buy in. Yeah. And, and have some comfort with the whole term test optional. And actually parlaying off of the test optional topic, um, in the Common App, if test scores through the testing tab and you're applying test optional to an institution, are they able to see your scores in any way? And then my second question, um, parlaying off of that is, do you have any predictions about how many students will be using te- the test optional application this year? Yeah, and I'll parlay off of that and say parlay would be an excellent SAT word if you were actually taking the test and had oh, perfect. the test, the test <laughs> perfect. In which to do it. <laughs> yeah, so you know, there, there's part of that is a functional question, and part of it's a yeah, philosophical question, I guess. So um, it, it, there is a section within the Common App where students can uh, self-report their testing. There are colleges that are test optional as well, and colleges that have been test optional for years, and some that are uh, that are new to the game. There is no connection functionally between a college's test optional policies and what students put in the testing section itself. What I mean by that is 
if you're applying and you've got maybe a mix of test optional colleges and colleges that are not test optional and you put tests in the testing section of Common App, those test scores will go to every college that you submit them to. But there's a little trick that a lot of people don't realize. In the testing section, there's a leading question and it asks, uh, are there any test scores that you want to report? And you say yes or no. And then we give you a list. You know, I want to report an, an AP. I want to report an ACT. And when you indicate those things, we give you fields so you can fill out fill out those scores and you put them in. And let's say you're, you're then going to apply to... Um, uh, I'll pick Rhodes College since I know uh, the dean was just a guest on on the show recently. And then let's say you're going to apply to another test optional uh, school after that. If you go back and change the response to that leading question, do you want to report any test scores? To no, those scores will vanish, but they're not gone. So you can then go ahead and submit to the next college without your test scores and um, be very comfortable knowing that they are never going to receive them. If you then apply to another college that is that requires tests and you go back to change that question to yes again, all of the scores you had put in before will come back. So it's a little trick of the 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 system. Um, so so that's that's what I would say about how the, the testing section works. So so it, <laughs> if you submit your scores to the college, they will see them. If you don't, they won't. And and we have a way to uh, to accommodate that. Do I have a prediction about how many students will will choose test optional this year? I, I can safely say more than last year, <laughs> but I I won't put a number on it. I will say this: um, we last year, I think between thirty and forty percent of Common App members indicated that they were test optional or test flexible in some way. This year, that number is closer, I think, between 80 and 85%. So a significant increase in the number of Common App colleges that are doing something different with testing this year. So that by its state, that combined with the fact that it's uh, it's just hard to find a test center these days. Uh, and, and, and even if you do, there's a question of whether or not um, you feel safe going into it and taking a test you know, for several hours. Um, so more students will certainly use it this year. Um, how many? Uh, that remains to be seen, and, and that's a number we'll be looking at closely. Perfect. Thank you. So the moment we've been waiting for on when you hit the submit button on the application for a school through the Common App, what happens next? <laughs> right. So Nikolai, this is spoiler alert, because the very next thing that happens is your computer screen fills with confetti. And I'm not making that up. I'm not making that up. We we implemented this last year, and it's literally this burst of confetti because it's a big deal. You just applied to college. That's pretty awesome, and we want to celebrate with you. And there's also a button that allows you to burst the confetti over and over again, and we actually watched <laughs> students do that um, it, from afar. It was, it was kind of fun uh, when we did that. So that's the very next thing that will happen. There's also a screen that will pop up um, that uh, is a message from your college that says, hey, um, here are the next steps for you. And it will take you to some information that they may want you to know. So maybe it's about applying for financial aid. Maybe it's about making sure that you submit any other um, writing supplements that may be extra that you need to do. So there's some, uh, you know, some housekeeping, housekeeping things. But beyond that, um, once midnight hits on whatever day it is that you submit, we kick off a, a process that starts delivering your application along with everyone else's to the colleges to which you've applied. And if your counselors and your teachers have already submitted their recommendations and 
uh, and transcripts and such, which probably they've done because they're very on top of things. That's the point at which we will match those documents with your application, package them together and deliver them to the colleges so that they can then download them and, and import them into their into their uh, student information systems. Um, I will say, because if I don't say this, every council in the country is going to be angry with me, just because it is there at that moment doesn't mean they can put their fingers on it, right? So I say that because even though it's electronic and even though it's instantaneous in terms of the, the submission of it, it takes time for colleges to match up documents with student records. So um, do not fret if you submit and uh, or, or your counselor submits or your teacher and you get a note saying the stuff's not there. If you've done it, it's there. Um, it just may take them a little bit of time uh, to um, to pull it all together and realize it. This is also um, probably as good a time as any to advise uh, all students, not just the two of you, <laughs> not to procrastinate. And I'll give you a, a, a reason why. On January 1st of this year, at 11.59 p.m., we had 908 submissions in that minute alone. And, and, oh and so, yeah, if you can imagine a graph uh, that goes up and up and up and then like shoots way up at 11.59 p.m., that's when everybody submits. So don't wait to the last minute, not because we can't handle it. We can. I mean, 908 submissions in, in 60 seconds is a lot. But because if you have questions or students have questions, we're not going to have time to get back to you with answers to those questions. Our support is 24-7 around the clock, but, but it's busy at that time of day. So if you're waiting until the, the last minute, um, incidentally, right after 11.59 p.m., that graph shoots way back down. It's like the, the, the grand voice in the sky said, pencils down, and everybody stops. Um, it's it's a it's a fascinating uh, behavioral uh, experiment to to watch unfold. <laughs> yeah, you've heard that from the expert students. If you're listening, be in advance of your deadlines, please. It's it's so important because as you move through this process, questions are going to come up, and they can't be answered if you're submitting a minute before the deadline. So. Is the process the same for um, students who might be at schools that use Naviance and so that some information is being submitted through Naviance and then their application goes separately? Is the process the same or is it different? Uh, the, the process is exactly the same. So the only difference is that um, for, for schools using Naviance or one of our other partners, whether it be Maya Learning or Bridgeview, we have several of them, several new ones this year. The only difference is that um, the, the counselors and teachers will submit through those platforms and everything still comes to us. And we hold those, those documents in reserve again until the student application comes in and then we deliver everything together. Thank you so much. We are sure. just about at the end of our program. We really appreciate you coming on. This has <laughs> been so helpful, Scott, and yeah. just for, for students to learn with some clarity, just the, the intricacies of this application and and how to best use it and uh, the resources that are available to kids everywhere. We really appreciate your time tonight. Yeah, yeah. My, my pleasure to talk to all of you. Thank, Thank you so much. Sure. Dylan, Nikolai, good luck. Thank you. Okay, coming up, listeners, please tune in. Our next few episodes, we'll be talking about social media within the context of college missions and determining fit and finding your why. For more information discussed in this episode, 
please visit d100.college. The views, information, or opinions expressed during this episode are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of their respective institutions or organizations. Thank you for tuning in to Talk College to Me. See you next week.